wanted to start this podcast to share hunting stories of my experiences and what I've done over the years. There's so much more that is involved in hunting than just pulling the trigger and killing an animal. We want to be inspirational, educational, but we also want to have a good time and teach you how to have a good time as well. On this episode, I have Chuck Towsey and Sean Wainwright continuing our stories about duck and goose hunting. Dad started reloading his, and I'll give him credit. There's been times when I've taken a few of his reloads and pulled a triple on wood ducks. Shot really well. And then there's been times when you go to shoot and that baby's literally rolled out of the end of the barrel. When you have them birds coming in and landing on us and you call the shot, people don't realize how much time you have. You got big, dumb sky pandas that had just touched the ground and they're trying to get back up in the air again. You got time. We had an absolute brilliant hunt in the snow. We had a pile of birds finishing on us. We were where them birds wanted to be. We had shot so many birds that the snow was actually covered in blood. Welcome to Hunting Day with Stephen Robbins. Now for your host, Stephen Robbins. All right, guys and gals, welcome back to another episode of Hunting Day. And on this episode, I have Chuck Towsey and Sean Wainwright back here. And we're going to be continuing our stories and talk about waterfowl hunting, particularly duck and goose hunting. And uh, on last week's episode, Chuck and Sean talked about different setups as far as how they stage their decoys, different calling techniques, as well as the different hunting camps that they've hunted across the U.S. And I know you guys enjoyed it. We've had a tremendous response. It's, It's been overwhelming, the amount of people that have reached out to us and we definitely appreciate the feedback and we knew we had to get them back on. So Chuck, Sean, thanks for coming back. Thanks for having us again. Yeah. Glad to, glad to help out. Glad to keep, keep it rolling. Absolutely guys, man. I tell you what, last week we had a really good time. We were actually in person last week, this week we're, uh, through zoom, but, um, nonetheless, I'm glad to have y'all. Yeah, that was fun. I That's the, probably the most fun I've had in my conference room in a long time. Ten <laughs> <laughs> four, absolutely. Chuck, uh, I talked to you yesterday. You went musky fishing. How'd you do? Uh, not not good. We didn't get to go where we wanted to oh, due yeah. to the wind, but we we got to play around in some of the cricks. But hey, we we gave it a shot, right? Absolutely, good deal. Good deal. So when we left off last week, we had talked about some bucket list hunts. And uh, I know you found out that polar bears are back on the list. So they're uh, they're no longer off the list. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Uh, I, I don't think I'll be able to talk my wife into it, but it's good to know that it's there if I ever have the ability to. Yeah, I was uh, I was messing around the house and my buddy Kevin McPherson um, sent me a text and he's like, hey, tell Chuck his uh his dreams back on and sent me that link and I was like dude that's awesome. <laughs> I got a pretty good chuckle out of it also. Yeah. Yeah. But uh so when we finished up you guys had talked about some other stories that y'all really wanted to share and also we'd even mentioned like some choke tubes and uh, different choke sizes as well as different shots and uh so I really would like for you um to kind of throw out some of your uh your favorites or your go-tos. And, uh, but literally the, the floor is your guys because your stories are awesome and, uh, I'm excited to hear them. Awesome. Well, um, I guess the, the easiest one for me and, and I, Sean can probably agree with this is that is to start talking about or mentioning choke tubes. Um, 
I I shoot a little bit of everything. Yeah, I shoot a uh, 12 gauge and a 20. Um, I would love to shoot my 410 more, but trying to find shells for that is pretty dang hard. So, mm -hmm. um, but as far as choke tubes, um, I have probably until two years ago have just shot factory choke tubes. Um, I I'm a believer that the guns made for that and you know, that works. Yeah. Um, but we, we do have since then, I, I, I have, I have, um, one of my buddies bought me a mid range choke for, for Christmas, which I have in my 12 gauge, which I actually, I really enjoy it. It's, it's, I've only been using it for one year, so I can't say if I shoot any better. I was just going to ask if you noticed any difference. It patterns really well. I, I, I haven't, I haven't done enough to compare it to, you know, eight years with that gun to, to know if I'm seeing anything hard to compare one season, to eight seasons, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I know I'm kind of the same way. Like, you know, I just used as long as, as long as there was an improved cylinder or modified in the, in the gun, like that's just, you know, factory, that's just what I used. And, you know, I don't know how long ago it's been like when they came, started coming out with that black cloud stuff. And that was all the, all the rage for a while. Um, you know, that's when I started looking into it and, you know, I liked it, you know, I shot really well with it, killed several birds. And so I started looking into the, you know, I was reading these articles like chokes specifically made for that because the way that shots made, it can tear up your, you know, just your factory or regular chokes. So, so I, around the time that that shot started to coming out is when I really started in investing and messing with a bunch of different choke tubes. And I bet I've, I bet I've got over a dozen different choke tubes and, and, and it kind of does, you know, I will, depending on what gun I'm shooting and what and where I'm going, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to hunt geese out in the field, you know, I'm going to use it at probably one of my extended range, long range chokes. You know, if I'm hunting ducks on the Creek, you know, I'm, I'll do shoot. I may go back to the, to the factories for that, but, you know, if, or if I'm, you know, on the river or big water from like, you know, down South or something, I'll, I'll use, I'll use like a mid range to, yeah. to get, to get out there. But, but yeah, but I, definitely, I, I agree with that. That's, you know, doing the same hunting on more open water. I, I, I try to go extended, but predominantly I've just stuck with mid range. I'm comfortable with it. It's, mm -hmm. it's, and a question that I had posed to some of my friends were, you know, we, we buy these chokes, even factory or aftermarket for that matter, when, and, and we just consistently use them year after year after year. Is there a time frame when we should switch them? Because I don't know, I haven't ever mic'd them from new to every season to see how much wear we're getting. A point in case, like I had that, the one shotgun that's had factory chokes in it for eight years, is that is that modified still a modified? Is that improved cylinder still an improved cylinder after all that wear? I I don't have an answer, and I've asked a couple people that shoot far more than I do, and it was just something they never thought of. And mm -hmm. granted, a couple of them are sponsored by, uh, you know, uh, molar chokes and stuff, so they're they're getting new ones consistently. But I right. just don't know if you know, kind of like, you know, changing your bowstring yeah. type of deal. You know, that's something I never thought of. Yeah, we shoot sporting clays a lot and, you know, you go out and you'll shoot sometimes 200 rounds. 
and well, you know, when we're on the long course, we'll shoot more of a improved or a full choke, and uh, or if we're on the short course, you know, more of that modified. But uh, it's something that I never really would have thought about that you know your choke is metal and you're shooting metal through it so which i guess we're shooting lead and when it comes to waterfowl you're shooting steel so i'm sure steel's a little harder on the chokes than uh lead is it, it, exactly you know you're shooting steel yeah. and bismuth and tungsten and all that all that stuff I, it doesn't compress as much you know that's why they tell you you can't shoot a full choke yeah. you know your full factory choke and and, and i just it's something that i have to do more research in but if if any of the listeners could respond to it but i'd I'd really it's information that i would really like to know it's just something that i mean i just thought of last year and it was i I guess i just never thought about it yeah definitely an interesting interesting thought and you know and i'm sure like i know for me i'm probably i'm probably less concerned about it uh because like i said i i do i do change chokes sometimes depending on what i'm doing but you know i don't i don't get out as much as i would like to compared to you know in the past compared you know also compared to you know there's guys that that travel around or and you know they're hunting every single weekend you know weekend in in and out you know through, for the whole season they're shooting thousands around a season or i'm shooting maybe a couple hundred for the season right. i would like to have that problem to where i am wearing chokes out because that means i'm banging <laughs> a lot you know but uh, no kidding guess, uh, uh you know life and work but it was just something that something that I thought of, and I just I never. It was something I never really thought of to 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 research more until recently. Yeah, I'd be curious to see what you find out. Yeah, and in in as we were speaking about that, you know, there's there's different kinds of shot, and I know that everybody has a specific brand that they like to stick with. You know, they they. Uh, they like to stick with whatever, you know, whatever their, their brand is. And I don't really know if there's one that's better than the other. I mean, some metals are better than others. It ultimately comes down to what you want to spend too, I believe, you know, and nowadays uh, that's a big deal. Yeah. Oh yeah. The cost of those things are ridiculous. I've got a friend of mine that's started loading up tungsten last year and we noticed an absolute it's they're, they're they're night and day from anything that we can get our hands on and we're we're crushing birds with them you're not having to you know it might cost you a little bit more to, to load up a box but it's still far cheaper than what you can buy a box of tungsten for we're shooting lighter loads we're shooting you know six seven shot as opposed to no, three yeah. four bbs you know number twos whatever um and and just crushing the birds with them but it kind of we figured it out it kind of balances out because you guys that have hunted divers very rarely do you i mean i shouldn't say very rarely but you you always have a follow-up shot on on a diver at some point or another and sometimes it might be more than just one it might be a couple shots to get them stupid things to die they Mm -hmm. just seem really resilient so if you're sitting there shooting just say heavy metal at i don't even know what heavy metal is anymore i think it's like 33 dollars a box you know might even be more than that you're, it's a couple dollars every time you know and you're shooting multiple shells to kill one bird as opposed to shooting them with the tungsten and we're we're cleaning house with it so now w- would i go shoot tungsten at that wood ducks and teal you know 
uh, you know, doing puddle shoots or, or something like that. I absolutely not. No. I, I shoot the, the blue box federals and I haven't had any problems with them. We, that last trip out to Colorado, we shot, uh, two shot three inch number, uh, three, three inch number twos, the, the Rios and didn't have any problem with them. Yeah. I know. Um, it's funny you mentioned about, uh, about reloads, like, so last few years when the, the cost of steel and how, and how hard, you know, some types of, or some ammo has been to come by, you know, dad started reloading his and, and I'll, I'll give him credit. There's been times when I've taken a few of his reloads and, you know, pulled a triple on wood ducks or pulled a double on geese or something like that and shot really well. And then there's been times when, you know, I pulled a couple out, put it in there and, you know, the powder must've got wet somehow. And I've, you go to shoot and that, those babies, you just literally rolled out of the end of the barrel. <laughs> pull, pull, pour them out of the barrel. <laughs> we always give dad a hard time. Like it's about 50-50 what you're going to get. Um, <laughs> well, it makes it more fun that way for him. Yeah. yeah. But he started <laughs> yeah, we, actually reloading that. that like with, the, with regular shells too. I've, oh, I've yeah. got a wad sitting on, on, uh, on my mantle um, of a federal shell that it shot and it sounded like the old pop guns, you know, the... Oh, that's it's, exactly that's, what it was. That's what it sounded like. And the wad was stuck in a barrel. And thankfully there wasn't a follow-up shot because it would have, you know, not only probably damaged the gun, but could have done some serious damage to, to my buddy's gun that it was in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those, those weren't cheap shells. So, oh. and I've got a lot of friends and, and I don't know if you've been exposed to it yet, Sean, but I've got, uh, I shouldn't say a lot. I've got a couple friends that shoot the boss shells now. Have you, have you, no, I don't, no, I haven't seen those. You know, what I primarily mostly shoot is kind of Winchester black cloud. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I, you know, I run the whole, all the whole gamut on sizes. If I'm shooting geese, you know, it's usually BBs all the way down to actually, I, I'll even shoot number fours at geese. Um, right. you know, we, we've killed them out to 40, 45 yards at, with number fours. Um, and then I'll, and I'll shoot, threes, fours, and sixes when I'm shooting ducks, depending on, you know, if it's heavy metal or, uh, black cloud, you know, or, or if I'm on the Creek or out on the big water, but yeah, we, we started, I'd noticed a big difference here just, just a couple of weeks ago, I was shooting some of that. It's, I think it's kind of newer this year. It's, it's this TSS shot. And it mm-hmm. was like number, number nines and number sevens all mixed up. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I, I plowed some birds some mallards with it and i i noticed it the difference and i was just like holy cow i mean it, yeah. it, you know they they hit the water or they hit the the cornfield that we were in actually and and they were they were dead they weren't getting yeah, there was no flop no nothing no i, I imagine cold. that's what it was what it was like back in the day when you could shoot lead i imagine that's <laughs> probably exactly what it was like <laughs> oh yeah but we we you know the we like i said we've shot some of the tss i've got a whole case of bismuth here that i have yet to shoot and it's it's the same way it's mixed with i think it's threes and fives but i just yeah i haven't had a chance to shoot them yet i'm a big fan you know just this year because the tss that's not the first time i've shot like a like a mixed shot shell because i think heavy metal does something similar uh on some of theirs but i'm a big I'm starting to become a big believer, a big fan of these different types of shots where they're basically mixed, you know, usually a bigger, usually a smaller. And it, it just gives you that much more in the shell. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I, 
you know, after after these last couple hunts, I'm I'm a firm believer so far. Yeah, I'm actually to talk turkey real quick. TSSs are big in the turkey world as well, and you know, I, oh, sh- yeah. I shoot them in primarily in my twelve gauge because if a bird hangs up at seventy yards, I'll, and if I want to take him, I'm going to take him. But I've got to where for the girls in their four ten, I shoot the TSSs. And they've got a TriStar automatic, and it's just a neat little youth gun. And they've both killed two birds with it, one this year and one last year. And, I, man, I tell you what, like, you get some, like, some, I don't know if it's, if, you, if velocity is the right word for it, but the knockdown power, like you guys are saying on in the ducks, like, it's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, oh, I don't yeah. quote me. You know, I think the density of lead's like eighteen point six or something, and tungsten's I think fourteen seven. So you're, you know, fourteen to sixteen. So you're right there at your densities. You're you know as the same. And I with speaking about turkey, I've had we when my buddy started loading them last year, I had a couple of friends do the same using four tens and, and dumping turkeys at a, at a distance that you wouldn't think of with a four ten. It's so, the, the, the stuff's impressive. It's just if you want to pay for it, you know, it's oh, yeah. get expensive when you're going out on a on a big duck hunt or a big goose hunt where you're going to see a bunch of birds and you're going to be shooting a lot. How much, you know, it, it's really just what you how you feel you want to do uh, financially, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I brought that boss up because and I saw a bunch of reports on on the Facebook and stuff about it, about people shooting it. And I had not shot it uh yet but they were talking about how it was breaking up when it was hitting the birds and i thought maybe it was a fluke thing or something but those birds that we cleaned in colorado that that Corey had shot using boss every one of them that he had hit all the shot was broke up in it and i don't know if they're hmm. designed to do that because i mean it would it's you're going to leave a bigger wound channel in it with with it breaking you know in, in so my eyes it turns like kind of like, shooting like corn, shrapnel you know? yeah exactly interesting huh. but i haven't heard of that yet it, it makes cleaning them a pain an absolute pain because you got a bunch of shards in it you know yeah well you just gotta you just gotta hit them in the head you don't have to worry about it the rest of the place well, the rest of the body <laughs> It sounds great in theory. <laughs> <laughs> easier said than done. Much yeah, I easier, mean, we all, yep. I, I gave everybody those shirts that say shoot them in the face, but it doesn't mean we always do it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so just so, so you, you know, uh, density of steel, it varies depending on which one it is, but it's like 7.8 to 8.03. Density of lead is 11.3. Density of tungsten is 19.2. So... You're hitting them. Oh, so there you go. Man. That's crazy. Yeah. 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 It's, it's it, my, my buddy, Zach, when he was doing the research on it, he, he geeked out on it and, and got the read and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and it really did. I shouldn't say geeked out. He actually did his homework is what he did. But yeah, what the things that he found out and, you know, knowing that we can shoot seven shot with no problem and, and we're dumping geese is it's kind of it's hard to compute in your head when you're used to shooting you know bb yeah yeah when you when you've kind of grown up hunting you know over the years and it's like you got to shoot ones twos or bbs or you're not doing nothing yeah we actually a long time ago my buddy ben we were hunting and we were in dad's kind of our like little duck camp area and we found a box of shells 
I bet this box was probably 10 years old, um, but it had some 12 gauge, uh, some very odd size stuff in it, you know, like double BB, triple BB. There was F size shot and then like a T or something like that. So just for fun, like we took it and he dropped, I think he shot that T. He dropped a goose. I, I kid you not, it was probably 65, 70 yards and just <laughs> dropped it, dropped it dead. The only time I've ever seen T use is coyote. I don't know. I never even heard of it. Yeah, I, I hadn't yeah. heard of that before. Yeah, it's, I, uh, one of the guys I know down here, I'm pretty positive that's what he uses for coyotes for his shotgun that if they get in too close instead of shooting them with a rifle. Nice. Something else is, you know, I, I think a lot of people think that they have to shoot a 12 gauge for waterfowl. And I don't think you could be any further from that. I, I love shooting my 20. It's, I have no problem killing birds now because you still got the same velocity in the shells, right? You're shooting 1550 or 1575, whatever it is. The only difference is, is that the actual load, you know, how the, the, the weight of it. Yeah. So, yeah. You, you might have 50, 50 less pellets or something. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if I'm sure if somebody looked, you could find the count and it's not that much the, the shot quantity from a 12 gauge to a, to a 20 gauge or whatever, you know, but, and you're not beating yourself up. I, I, you know, I went through there for a while where, when I was goose hunting, I had to have three and a halves. Oh yeah. And cause that was the new fad, you know, every, Hey, you, you're not shooting these three and a half heavy metals. You're, you're wrong. And you're just beating yourself up for no reason, really. And spending more money. Yeah. I, I swear by my 20 gauge. I had a buddy that I I deer hunted in Illinois with, and he was big into goose hunting, and he had a 10-gauge just for goose hunting. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, my shoulder couldn't handle that. <laughs> I My yeah. uncle went hunting for the first time, and this was uh, early 90s, and he went with one of the guys that lived by us, and that's all that's all that his family did was, was waterfowl hunting, goose hunting. He told my uncle, oh, you have to have a 10-gauge to go. So he went out and bought the the Ithaca Featherweight semi-automatic 10-gauge and went out one day, shot at him one day, came back, never used a shotgun again. Guarantee not. See, we when we go out, yeah, when we go out for goose, that's what dad, he shoots a 10-gauge. And I think he shot that same 10-gauge since I was probably, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old. But it's a Remington, I believe. But that thing is so heavy. When you shoot it, like, you don't even feel it. Okay. Like, it's got no recoil. But I think huh. that's just due to the the weight of the gun. Yeah. Yeah, it probably weighs 12 pounds. Yeah. Now, it sucks when, you gotta, when you're hiking in somewhere, carrying decoys on your back and carrying that dang thing, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I haven't had the, the privilege yet to do it. I've got a single shot 10 gauge that I, that I call my Jed Clampett gun that my, my old man gave me that it's it looks like jed clamp has gone in the in the opening credits of the movie you know it's it's forever long and i i keep saying i want to take it out once just to say that i shot a goose with it but i don't know if i want to shoot it i shot it once when i was eight years old and i still remember it yeah still still hurts yeah yeah it still does <laughs> so, it, it was painful but i don't i don't know you know, like I said, I would love to shoot a 410 or if I could, if I could ever get my hands on the proper 28 gauge, I would like to use that for, 
for teals and, and, and wood ducks, you know, just as we were talking in the last episode, you know, I, I have, I'm fortunate enough to have the ability to shoot a lot of wood ducks, not to say to make it more sporting, but just to make it more fun, you know, a little bit more challenge to it. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I do agree that. And I think, you know, 12 gauge, I think it's just a norm because it's the popular, popular gauge, you know, they're, you can get, almost anybody can pick one up for a very reasonable price. You know, if you're not sold on, you know, name brands, which, you know, if you're waterfowl hunting, there's a lot of people out there that are, they just want name brand, but you know, if you're not and you're just getting into it or, or, you know, you're only going to go a few times a year, you could find, you know, off brand. There's so many new brands on the market. Now you can find them for, you know, two, 300 bucks. And again, it, it's going to come down to the shell more than it is the actual gun. You it's know, gonna come like we're just shooter. talking well, that too, that too. But, but yeah, I think I agree. Like I've taken the 20, uh, I've never taken the 410 duck hunting, but I've taken the 20 several times. Um, yeah. And you still kill birds. You know, I don't think you have to have a 12 gauge, but I think it's just the norm because they're, you know, readily they're more available. And, you know, I think it's just how it is out there right now, but yeah, right. Definitely. It, definitely agree though. Something completely off of the subject that we're talking about, but yet, we you kind of just hit on it a little bit and we were talking about last week about having birds land in our spread net at our feet and whether it whatever blind you're in but and yeah i just referenced well it comes down to the shooter and everything i think something that a lot of people get excited over is when you have them birds and, and i still get excited or i wouldn't be doing it but when we have them birds coming in and landing on us and you call the shot I feel that oh, a yeah. lot of people don't realize how much time you have because everybody just wants to get up and you start banging right away and, and you're rushing everything. You got big, dumb sky pandas that had just touched the ground and they're trying to get back up in the air again. You got, you got time. Yeah, you really do. And you get to rushing and you'll rush that first shot. And I think that's, and I catch myself doing it, especially first, first time of the year. I, I, I have to tell myself, relax, you got time, you got time, but it's just wanting to get excited and get, you know, get excited. Yeah. Um, I, I, I agree. You know, I, that's one of my favorite things, especially when you're in those layout blinds and those birds are coming in and, you know, I've called the shots before and you, you're watching them through the, you're kind of covered up as much as you can. You, man, I've, I've, I've been so excited where, you can see them. They look like they're almost right on top of you and you call it and you guys, and you sit up and it's like, Oh shit, they're just a little too far out. So like, all right, hold on, get back down and they'll yeah, circle and I, come, come back in or something. There's, there's an art to calling a shot. There really is. It's cause it's, it's very deceiving looking at a bird that's in the air when you're laying on the ground. I've, I think anybody that's ever had the chance or, or, or if that's what they're, job is in a group like when we go goose hunting like i said before i can't goose call still to save my life <laughs> but that's what i do is i call the shot that's i don't have a call in my mouth so i can tell everybody you know yeah keep hitting them or quiet or whatever and, and watch the birds and and i've done that just okay boys take them and we all pop out and i'm like oh boy i screwed that one up i'm sorry guys but <laughs> you know yeah. it's how many it's, uh how many guys you, you know, like if you got your average group with you, how many, how many guys you got calling? Um, it really just depends if it's my normal group. We, we usually we'll hunt anywhere from five to eight of us. It just depends on if we have the room to hide them. 
but I would say everybody there, but probably myself and one other guy aren't calling. And that's just because we can't. So. Yeah. So you guys are throwing everything you got at them, you know, making it look like like a noisy group. Yeah. Well, it like, like we had talked about last time, it really just depends on what we're hearing from the birds. One guy might just be calling. If, If they're real quiet, we might only one guy or maybe, maybe a couple guys, but it's just, you know, little moans and murmurs and stuff. It's not, we're not hammering them, you know, it's, yeah. we were, it goes back to letting the birds tell us what to do, you know? Yeah. It, usually it's just me or dad calling or sometimes, you know, if they circle a couple of times and they're, and they're leaving, you know, we'll both hit them hard and try to get them to come back. And it, it is, it is a little bit of an art to it, especially, especially if you're dealing with like locals that are, see it all the time or, uh, maybe not so much if you got some new migratories in or something, but yeah, you gotta, you just make a, you know, a few tones, a couple different calls, change it up and you'll see those birds react. You'll, whatever they do, they'll tell you what they like. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's, you know, when, when I first started hunting down here, it was just Cody and I, so there was only two of us and Cody called and I called the shot and we had great hunts with that. You know, the yeah. Cody, you know, we, we talked to Cody after, after our, our last recording that we did here and he, I would be reminiscent if I didn't mention the, the, the hunt that he wanted me to remind or to mention is we, uh, I may have stayed out a little bit too late, uh, bellied up to a bar the night before a hunt. It was a uh, new year's day and I showed up in pretty rough shape. And we went and hunted and it was just him and I, and we had an absolute brilliant hunt in the snow, New Year's Day, but it was just him and I calling and we had a pile of birds finishing on us, but that, it goes back to the conversation that we had about us being on the X. We were where them birds wanted to be. I I think I could have went there by myself and not called and, and had the birds, but we, we had shot so many birds that the snow was actually covered in blood. Like there, there was wet. Oh man. It was amazing. That's awesome. And he also makes fun of me because I got caught coming out of the blind. He said, I look like a big swamp donkey trying to get out of the blind, trying to sit up to shoot at birds and just, yeah, it was tangled up and everything. Oh, it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. Been there, there, done that. That's, that's an important note too, that you just mentioned. You kind of alluded to, you know, for the serious waterfowl hunters out there, like, you know, set a curfew, go to bed about nine o'clock, nine thirty, because I've done the same thing and it it makes for a rough morning. Well, yeah, it sounds good in theory. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Just well, tell just one more. Just one more. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we we just you know, and and those are those are those memories that we get out of it too, you know. It's uh we have a we have a standing thing here that if my friend Zach and I don't get into an argument before we go hunting, we're not going to have a good day. <laughs> and we'll argue over the dumbest things. Like, why did you put that one decoy there? Well, that's where I wanted to put it. And, and that's what it's really about. You know, hunting, obviously we want to kill and harvest animals, but man, making those memories, that's, that's what I enjoy about hunting. I, that's, I'm the same way. They're usually, you know, when we're, we're out, it's dad and I kind of, everybody's throwing decoys out, but it's usually dad and I, I'm like, I'm like yelling at dad or I'm getting frustrated. I'm like, what are you doing? And 
you know, we'll adjust things. I'm like, I don't like that. Or we'll, we'll make some adjustments. And then, you know, five minutes later, we're sitting in the blind. It's like, all right, I feel good. It looks good. You know, yeah. yeah. The, the it's, first, all, it's all good. The first hunt that Sean and I ever went on was at wood duck hunt up home where he decided he wanted to try to shoot him through the trees and letting them instead of letting them finish. And we call that hole the swimming hole because anybody that I've ever taken to it has went swimming because it's got a bunch of little humped grass rounds under the water that you can't see. And you think you have your foot picked up high enough and in you go. And I believe you went swimming that day also. I think I might've maybe halfway. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't, you weren't, you know, full breaststroke, but you, you, you got some water. Yeah. Talking about going swimming. I like two weeks ago, I went on a hunt and, and we shot a couple birds that morning and you know, so I was just driving around. Dad had to do something. So I was just driving around. I found a pile of birds. I think I sent you a picture actually. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm going to jump on them. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to jump them and see if I can get lucky. Well, I ended up shooting a couple birds, but what I didn't see, what I didn't realize, and it was, it was warm that day, but there was about probably 10 feet of ice, you know, along the bank. And when I went down there, I'm like, I'm like, ah, that, that looks sketchy. I don't, I don't, don't trust it for the dog. So I had, I ran into town, got a kayak, went out there. I mean, I was working like crazy, busting up that ice, kayaked out there, you know, got the couple birds that I shot. And when I was coming back, like I was, the front of the kayak was on the bank and I'm trying to get out, but I got birds in my lap. Like I got, a, I got the oar and things I'm rocking. Yeah. The only way getting out was going for a swim <laughs> with my waders, oh, man. with my waders sure. on. That's, that's something else too. And I, I don't know how you feel about it. I've, I've had some mixed success with it. You go out to your hole, say you, you scouted a hole and you know, you go back, you go to bed, whatever you wake up and we had a little cold snap over the night and you got some ice on the water. How do you feel about that? Cause like we've broke it. We brought rakes to try to rake the chunks of ice from when we broke it, thinking that them birds can see them chunks of ice float and then they're not going to land. It looks unnatural. We don't have, at least down here around home, we don't have too many places where I would trust to put a $700, $800 ice eater with a generator next to it to run it all night and have it still be there in the morning, you know? So yeah, we don't have that Raking either. ice is how we have to do it. Do, do you rake it out? We've, we've raked it out. We've tried to kick it up underneath. I, I went to Maryland, and I think I showed you guys the picture last last week of – the big trail of ice behind a boat. We had to, took us two days just to get the boat out of the dock, just to <laughs> break a path out to the open water. It was, it was incredible. We'd break a chunk yeah. and slide it up underneath it. And we did okay, but I just don't know. I, I guess I was kind of seeing what you had saw out of that. You know, I'd probably call it mixed, mixed success. Like we've gone out, you know, in the morning and, and had our little mud puddle out in a, in a cornfield, you know, freeze up overnight and we just break, just walk through it or run the four wheeler through it, you know, or something like that. And we, we've had birds come in on it and we've had, I think, so I think the important thing is, is you can bust it up and I think it'll be fine. Like, I don't think you need to worry about raking it too much. Although I, I like that idea though. It definitely makes sense. The problem is then you go to the blind and you're sitting there for a couple of hours. Well, if it's that cold to make it freeze up overnight, you know, a lot of times, like, you're not paying attention. We'll look up and it's like, shit, the, the decoys are, you know, it, it iced back yeah. over. If and, your decoys got ice on you. Yeah. You're yeah. Yeah. 
So that's why I don't, you know, I don't it, like to throw them when it's in that in that kind of weather. I think throwing your decoys, you know, just how you would any other time setting, you know, duck decoys or goose decoys in water, you just kind of huck them out. I think that's it's the easy way to do it, right? But it's mm-hmm. also a terrible way to do it because then you got the water on it, and if it freezes, you it's just a big mirror on them. Oh yeah, that or shoot, I was out in that real bad cold snap here just a few weeks ago, and and it the, the it was so cold that morning that the that the decoys started frosting up like while we were sitting out there, and I didn't even notice it. Like I'm sitting in the blind, I'm just trying to stay warm a little bit, and you know after about two hours, like I I get out and just walk around a little bit. Uh, and sure enough, the damn decoys had frost all, all over them. I'm like, well, no kidding. No wonder. Yeah. Then you go out and brush them off and, and it still, I still don't, I still think it leaves a sheen on them, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I feel the same way about, you know, we've got a small little uh, flooded field here that we've in the past have done really, really well on with the geese. Um, we we would still hunt it today, but it has since turned into a roost, and it's it's really hard. Yeah, I, just hard to beat them there. They they don't leave it. Yeah. But I I personally feel that those birds that are coming into those, if you're out walking around in them little mud holes, and the the water's all of a sudden muddy, and then birds are flying over, and that water's never muddy. I feel me personally, I feel that's a uh, one of them little red flags to to birds that are educated, you know. We'll see. Water, the all, water's not usually muddy like that. Now all of a sudden it is. You know, if it's in a field though, uh, whether it's like a hay field or a cornfield or a you know whatever, I kind of disagree a little bit because you know you think of farm ponds that have geese and stuff on them. And, I mean, those the geese and ducks like will destroy a pond and mud puddles like. So I've actually gone out, you know, had a little mud puddle or whatever, and, and you set some decoys, you know, around the edge or something. And I've, I've trampled through it to just to muddy it up on perfect. To turn it, it up to, to make it look like they're feeding. Yeah. To make it look like they were, they were in there, they were doing whatever, uh, to make it look like they were active or, you know, something like that. Right. I guess I can see the, the logic in that. I just, you know, Hey, it goes back to them. That same thing that we were talking about that I learned this year, putting geese all the same direction. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. It just, to me, it's one of those things that, that had bothered me. So <laughs> I don't, I, yeah, I just, I, I, I can see the logic behind that. I, I don't know if I'm right or wrong, you know? Yeah. Well, I like to, I like to tweak them. I think we talked about that last time. I like to tweak them a little bit, but also I, I think the stronger the wind is, the more the same direction they're going to be. Yeah. You know, if it's a light, if it's a light wind that, you know, they'll, They'll probably do whatever, but if it's a heavy wind, they're going to try to look downwind, face face away from it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, I mean, in that, I proved that into it, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But you know and, what I yeah, and, and I think you know, as far as the my my conversation there about the muddy water, I think if you're hunting big water, you know, like we we hunt the river over there and and in, uh, in Maryland, and even even down here, we hunt them on with with the waves and stuff that's going to stir up sediment you know i'm I'm not i'm not speaking about things like that i'm talking about yeah. just we have a, a divot in a field that floods with water when we get a good amount of rain yeah and, big big water is different i agree there yeah yeah 
that's that's it's that's a whole different different animal on its own right i've yet mm-hmm. to hunt out of layout boats but that's that's something i want to do but it's it's hard to do it on lake erie when it's she's always rough <laughs> yeah when she's throwing yeah. threes and sixes at you be, you'll be <laughs> your layout be looking at the water then looking up looking at the water and looking up yes sir Yes, yep. sir. Uh, but I, I mean, I have some friends up there that do it all the time. They have quite a bit of success. It's just something that I, well, I just, I don't own one and I don't have that ability yet. So hopefully in time here, we'll, we'll get that. Guys, man, it's been another great episode. I, I don't know if y'all have had as much fun as I have. And uh, I do appreciate y'all. Like, I really can't tell you that enough. I do appreciate your time. And I know our listeners, they, they see the value in this and the nuggets, like the things that I think are pretty natural to you guys now at this point, second nature, um, that you're just dropping them. And I'm over here listening and I'm like, man, I got to write that down. I got to write <laughs> that down. And it's, it's, I, it's so much, I do appreciate it. I really do. So thank you guys again for being on. Yeah, no, happy to, happy to be here. Happy to, you know, for me and Chuck, this is just us BSing back and forth, telling stories of what we like to do, what we, you know, lessons learned out in the field. So, no, really, really appreciate you having us back. Absolutely. You guys are yeah. welcome anytime. And just from everything that we've talked about, there is going to be a future part three, probably after the season's over and we start gearing up for turkey season and stuff. I think I'm going to have you guys back on, but we definitely got to get you back on, man. You guys are fun to listen to, very entertaining, and uh, just a good time to be with. Oh, well, I, I appreciate it, and I'm sure Sean does also. It's uh, Like I said, it Thank was you. new for us, and, and, and I've, I've really had a blast, and, and I appreciate you listening to Sean and I just kind of go back and forth and talk about random things. And, and I'm glad to see that there's, there's stuff in there that, that is useful because – I was really concerned that we didn't talk enough about things that were useful. So, man, no. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely not the case. That is not the case. I, when I re listened to last week's episode, you know, I was there and you guys captivated me, you know, and I learned a lot. But then when I went back and re listened to that episode, I was like, man, there's so much information in this. And I know. This one's going to be the same way. And uh, again, I appreciate it. Well, thank you again. And and yeah, yeah, hopefully we can put a number three together. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks a lot. Yeah, for sure. Last week we said if they wanted to get a hold of Chuck, it was Chuck Towsey on Facebook. And for Sean, it's Sean Wainwright on Facebook. And Sean is S-E-A-N. And so if you guys got any questions, they're, they're definitely the people to talk to and to ask because they're very knowledgeable and uh again we appreciate you guys being on and we want to tell all of our listeners we thank you we love you we hope that you enjoy it and it seems what you guys are and keep hunting and keep doing what god calls you to do thank you for listening to hunting day with Stephen robbins don't forget to like comment subscribe if you'd like to follow you can find Stephen on instagram at Stephen hunt day and facebook at Stephen robbins hd If you'd like to reach Stephen, you can email him at stephen.huntingday at gmail.com.